Does this provide justification for White's actions? Obviously, of course it does, because he's beautiful. <laughs> um, hey, wait, that's a triple play. New episodes of Kim what is going on ladies and gentlemen boys and girls people of all ages welcome back to the aoa show i'm your host as always ian along with the boy isaiah oh hi yo and today we are talking tower of god part two of our discussion covering episodes 318 to 326 of season two Bunch of explosions happening. There's a bunch of strong people there. Yvonne Kells made an appearance. There's a giant elephant. Everything's wild at this point, but what would you expect, right? This is getting towards the end of season two, so there's going to be some craziness ensuing. So we had our part one discussion. You definitely want to go check that out if you haven't already with the first slew of questions, and we had Gavin on board as well. Also, don't miss our live stream that we had. Uh, you could check the AOA Reacts channel. That is our second channel, our reaction channel. The link is in the description down below if you want to catch the live stream. It's a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, um, but some craziness ensued. And uh, we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves, so hopefully you do too. And lastly, make sure you guys are checking out our blog post video that we just posted recently covering these same chapters as well. So you're all caught up in everything there is to know about Tower of God. And uh, yeah, so part two is here for you now. So we have five questions by some of the lovely folks in our Discord who posed them. Make sure you guys are hopping into our Discord as well to ask these questions when our live streams have concluded so that you might end up on one of our videos. But let's get into it here. So question number one comes to us by Emperor Dark North, a regular around these parts. Thank you, Dark North. Uh, Emperor Dark North S. Your thoughts on the head of the REA clan telling Joaquin to follow the path of evil and slaughter. Does this somehow provide a justification to White's actions in the story so far? Does this provide you with any other predictions about the behavior of the 10 great uh, clan leaders? Now that you've seen two of them and both are messed up in the head, <laughs> is this Jihad's influence on them? So a couple things to break down here. My initial thoughts on him telling Joaquin to follow the path of evil and slaughter. If you watched our first discussion, we actually had a, a similar question uh, relating the seed of the king with jihad to the seed of a demon with the REA family. Um, so this is kind of similar. So I'm going to give a somewhat similar answer in this right here. Um, I find it interesting, and I think I said this during the live stream as well, is I thought this actually highlighted a little bit about the REA clan uh, head, right? Where before the first time we see him, Joaquin is recounting his backstory and reciting it to Bomb or whoever. And it seems that REA looks at him and then just, it's as if he was looking at a speck of dirt, right? On the ground. It's like, it wasn't even, it was inconsequential to him. This time, although he still kind of does that, we're not exempting this guy at all. He does actually notice him, right? He, he almost notices his existence, right? Through the fact that he says, oh, you actually have evil in you. You have the seed of a demon inside of you. You need to go and cultivate your powers at X place. Now, I'd have to assume that the REA head knows about this, I would assume from experience of some point. Um, he's definitely had communications with it. I think some of the 10 great families heads, my prediction was that some of them have made contracts separate contracts with either administrators. We know there, there are demons, obviously, so that could be something on the table as well. Whatever Jihad made his contract with, there's very supernatural and ancient beings that inhabited this tower long before, it seems, the Ten Great Families and Jihad rolled up to conquer it. So I think that there's a connection there. Do I think it provides justification to White's actions story? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, White is probably one of the most evil people. I mean, 
I feel like when you cross a certain point, it's just like, how evil are you? And you cross one line. It's like, you're just really bad. You're up there with like the heavyweights of bad. Um, White's definitely very charismatic, so people are definitely willing to give him a pass on certain things. And luckily, he's a fictional character, so fair enough. Um, but I don't think this justifies his actions um, at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's killed a billion people. I that I'll just I'm just gonna leave it there. Um, does this provide you with any other predictions about the behavior of the leaders now that you see two of them? Uh, yeah, I think they all have their own quirks and and justifications for things. Um, I think the head of the REA family, if I had to predict, is. Pr- I, if I had to predict, I'm assuming he's one of the best fighters, like one-on-one combat. Um, and I really don't have too much evidence to support that other than I kind of want it to be the case. And also the fact that they are so skilled with swordsmanship, um, and they are touted to be one of the stronger families, if I'm not mistaken, up with the Haas and the Coons. Um, or they're just really good with swords. I don't know. Regardless. I think the, the sword thing is definitely true. They're the sword the best thing, right? swordsman. But I don't know if that necessarily translates Quantifies to fighter. fighter. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it might be a ha exclusive thing. Regardless, I would like to see this dude scrap 1v1 with someone because That's it true. seems like their family is very small as well. And the way that he specifically regards um, his children and all that kind of stuff is not even like Edon, where Edon was like, ah, one of my kids? Okay, he's just like away with you or like I'll eat you or whatever like we are uh, the family is me I am a conglomerate of everyone it's not like we all have our own individual things we don't do that around here so very curious to see what his whole deal is but they're they each have their own thing right like uh, you know Gustang is this very analytical 5d chess style dude that has and Edan is Edan I mean we've seen him um I think that Jihad may have had influence on them for sure I think I don't know if it was strictly Jihad that was like Jihad gets corrupted first and then his corruption seeps into all them where they were like, oh, we're not bad. And then Jihad was like that. And all of a sudden they're like, ah, we're turning bad. You know, like I think this was a gradual process with not maybe all of them, but like a couple of them. You know, it seems to be that there was a bit of a split when it came to uh, V and or, and um, and uh, Arlene, Arlene against Jihad, that some of the 10 great family heads took the side of Arlene, etc. So I think that they, to the left to their own devices and their choices, kind of became corrupted by whatever it was too. It's like, Jihad, you get offered this. Arya guy, you get offered demon blood. Would you like to accept it? Hell yeah. You know what I mean? And, right. and all that craziness ensues. But hopefully that answered the question, trying to unpack it one step at a time. You got any thoughts on this one? Um, what are my thoughts on the Ari clan, Ari, Ari clan head with Joaquin? Uh, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty natural in the sense that like, yes, if I think it's safe to say that all of these 10 family leaders have been influenced by Jihad in some way, shape or form. And so that is going to dictate how they approach, interact with, talk to, you know, uh, any, with anybody, but specifically anybody that are members of their family, right? So I'd imagine that, like, the Kuhn family, uh, you know, Kuhn brings it up himself, that, like, growing up in the Kuhn family is not like, hey, guys, what are we doing for, like, the Kuhn Sunday brunch? It's like every day is a literal fight for survival because if you can't prove your worth, you are worthless, and therefore you shouldn't be breathing. So it's like, and I imagine that that, that theme probably runs, you know, to some, to varying degrees across all the families. They're all probably pretty, you know, incredibly stuck up, very elitist, very like, if you can't, you know, if you if you can't give us something by existing, like, why are you existing? Which is incredibly counterintuitive because it's like, why give birth to kids? <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I, I think this, I don't think this is like out of the out of the range or like, like it, it, it's pretty understanding that like the head of the REA clan who are 
the master of swordsmanship when it comes to the Tender Grade families, that this dude is very like, yeah, if you can't be a sword, like, why are you here? Um, but it is interesting, like you were saying, that, you know, opposed to what we have seen of him before this, which was very small and brief, granted, uh, it, it seems like he is, tr- he's either trying to get Joaquin to cultivate his skill, or to be honest, maybe he's just curious to see if he can do it. Like, maybe he doesn't have any actual faith, but it's kind of like, you know, he's kind of like, oh, I think you've got, like, the seed of the demon in you. Like, fuck it. If you think you can do it, like, go ahead and try and conquer it. But, like, he doesn't have any stake or investment if Joaquin can or can't do it. Like, he doesn't really care. Um, Which, now that I'm, you know, as I'm saying, I kind of actually think that's more of the long because it just fits with (laughs) what we know about these family heads and fucking capital dicks. Um, Does this provide justification for White's actions? Obviously, of course it does because he's beautiful. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Does uh, and d- now that we've seen him, both of them, um, how, what are our predictions about the behavior of the ten clan leaders? Sort of like I said before, I think to some varying degree, they're all going to, they're all in some way or you know shape and form twisted by Jihad and his influence and the tower's influence. Like we've we've stated before that this whole idea that like Edon and Joaquin, I mean I'm sorry, Edon, Jihad, and the other heads like they weren't always like this, right? When they were young, when they were climbing the tower, you know, even at the level of, like, the hidden floor, they were still, like, pretty decent people, and they, and they still had, you know, enough of their sanity and enough of their, their you know, personality or individualism, whatever you want to call it, um, to sort of, like, you know, to exist as people and, like, to be able to see right from wrong and to, you know, to take these situations and people's feelings and all this, these variables into account. However, whatever, from the hidden floor all the way up to the top of the tower, whatever happened in that span of the journey clearly has distorted and corrupted jihad and i think by extension like you know with the you know the sort of trickle down effect the other heads right yeah i don't th- i don't think edon is you know c- outside edon is the same edon from the hidden floor and vice versa to all the other heads i mean i i think it's something to be said for edon that he even left his data there because you know from what they t- like what they told us jihad and edon's data were the only ones from the from that original group everyone else now i don't know if it was like the other family heads had the chance to and opted to not or Jihad wiped all the other ones and like something about Edon's like maybe because they were like the close, you know, I don't know. But like, I think that at the very least, whoever these 10 heads are uh, now are, are very much like distorted, corrupted versions of who they used to be. And I think unfortunately, until we, until you tackle that, you know, that rotting thing, like it, that's just going to trickle down into all their families to some degree. Um, which explains the, you know, why Joaquin is the way he is. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, so second question comes to us from Vladimir. Thank you for the question. They say, what are your thoughts on Karaka's heart? Is he conditionally immortal? Perhaps like a leech, light, light. Lich. Lich. A lich king. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you think it'll come into play in the future? Uh, what, are our, what are our thoughts on Karaka's heart? pretty lucky <laughs> that he <laughs> doesn't have to worry about dying um is he conditionally immortal i i guess it is like you know uh because i'm assuming if you can remove the heart or uh, see i don't know i don't know how much of karaka's powers are directly tied to stuff like his armor because they they they're it's been hinted at slash like told to us in some degree that his armor is kind of busted right it gives him access to that that uh Ultra, you know, the, the world or whatever where his heart is at. He gets these super dope, like, demons from hell as his boys and as, as mi- his minions. Um, 
you know, that coupled with the, like, return, uh, I, think it's, I think it's called Return from Darkness, or, or his technique where he can just kind of, like, he gets fucked up and can just warp into another body or steal another soul. Um, and I'm assuming the separating of his heart has something, is, like, it just, I feel like it has to be tied into that whole armor shtick. Um, so, in that case, I do think he's conditionally immortal if that means that, like, if you were to remove the armor, he now becomes mortal, or, like, you can kill him, and whether that's the heart, like returns back to his bot the body that he's in outside of the armor, or you know maybe it's like because I guess that's my thing is like if he if he's wearing the armor so okay it's yeah in my mind it's two things one the armor is sort of irrelevant and you have to go to that separate place like you have to go into that world and like kill his heart in order to ki- and then you can kill him regardless whether he's wearing the armor or not or the heart is protected in that world as long as the armor is active and you have to remove the armor from him so that you can kill him um, are my two running theories. I don't really know which ones, to be honest, is like more viable because I don't really know enough about his armor or, or what this heart scenario is. But I do think, I definitely, at the very least, I think it, it is conditional. I think if you can either attack the heart or separate him that like Karaka can be killed, he's not like this, he's not a god. Which I think is actually really funny because I think somebody, I don't remember if it was, it was one of the other questions that we've been asked or if it was from the story, but there was like a line I think it's in the story. There's a line that is said that I'm paraphrasing now, but it was like, it's ironic that the closer some of these characters and, and the closer some of these people in this world get to immortality, the more afraid they actually are of death, right? It's sort of like, it, obviously, one of Jihad's running themes here, if he's gone to such lengths as to like, he wants to control fate, right? He's like, I'm a god, I am immortal. I will, you know, I will outlive everything and anything and I will be able to control fate and destiny and all that. Sounds like a dude who's, pretty scared shitless by the idea of just letting all that shit be as it is um and i think to an extent it's got to be true about karaka because then my in my mind i'm like if it's not why is he why go to those lengths right the only people in my mind in the story that have gone to the lengths of immortality are those who are afraid of dying and letting their journey or whatever end either prematurely or by somebody else's hand you know whatever um so yeah i do think he can kill and i'm guessing uh uh, lit, I'm guessing that's a lich's ability, like to be able. To yeah, have you ever played like a game with a with a lich in it? Like they're basically mm. like these ghouls or whatever that can like fucking revive things, and they're like these like they're like witches, but not but like more like ghostly looking. Oh, okay, yeah, they're evil. Okay, shit, <laughs> <laughs> evil shit. Um, yeah, so I I I'm assuming you know because that sounds more or less like Karaka's ability, but I think if I'm not mistaken, that if Lichit, or yeah, if can do that naturally, that I think Karaka's, again, is not natural, it's conditional. Meaning he has to, you know, like I said, whether it's wearing the armor, be in contact with that world, whatever. Like, there's there's stipulations to be met, and if you break those stipulations, you can kill him. Um, how do I think it'll come into play in the future? I think somebody's going to try and kill him. I think somebody <laughs> is going to, because now we know that Han Sung and Yvonne Kel, I don't know how close like i don't know if yvonne kell is going to be like one of our homies one of our girls after this or if she's just trying to fuck people up because she's bored um and that they're picking on han sung but at the very least han sung knows about where this world is where karaka's heart's located and the only reason i bring that up is because i do think han sung to some degree is going to be more incorporated in our squad here and while it's true that both han sung well if you really think about it while it's true that han sung bam jin sung haohyun and karaka are all technically part of fug we know that being part of FUG does not necessarily mean you're on the same side, right? There's very different sects and different uh, groups and split-offs in FUG. It's basically a religion. And Karaka's uh, sect of FUG is definitely more like 
die hard about Karaka bringing peace to the tower at the extent of, and we've seen this because they've tried to kill Bam, anybody else in fuck. So maybe if this becomes a situation where it's like, all right, this was cool for whatever, but like now Karaka's getting out of hand, you know, we got to deal with him somehow. Hansung then comes in and is like, oh, I actually know where Karaka's heart is. Like maybe, you know, we could go after that and, you know, whatever. I guess the point is now that that information I'm assuming is going to be in play and one of our, our players is going to have that info. I do think it's not going to, you know, Karaka's that's it's, it's going to be brought up at some point and, and, you know, it's going to be integrated into the story. Don't exactly know how yet, but that's my thing. Mm. Me or a lot of the thoughts won't um, beat it to death here, but yeah, I think by the definition, at least how I would frame it of conditionally immortal, yeah, I think he'd be conditionally immortal. The condition being if you kill his heart, he's not immortal. <laughs> you know, but I, I think that if you kill his heart, he just dies. I don't I don't think that it's like, we killed his heart, now let's go kill him. Like, I think that's his oh, literal yeah. beating heart, where Same. if you st- stab that thing, he's just going to die wherever he is. He's taking a, a vacation in Cancun or whatever, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, God! And he just, you know what I mean? Like, drops. <laughs> I think that's how that works, personally. Um, which is kind of interesting, because for all intents and purposes, you'd think, like, well, that's a really great ability to have, right? Like the fact that you can just hide your heart in the middle of a volcano or wherever the hell, right? And it's like, you're basically just free to play. Like life's just a sandbox. You know, you yeah. can do whatever because it's like, screw it. If I get run over by a car, if I get lit on fire, don't matter. I could just come back and learn from that one, you know, <laughs> or do it again because I felt like it, right? Like the world's your oyster. So yeah, yeah. I, it's great in that sense. But I also feel that ironically, it actually is a disadvantage in a weird sense that once somebody figures it out, it's it doesn't like you they don't necessarily have to be stronger than you in order to beat you, if that makes sense, right? Because if That's you're true. not there, all they have to do like if they sneak in, if they're stronger than your guards, who I'm assuming are not stronger than you, right? Yeah. His one guard got his arm blown off immediately yeah, by yeah. the the chi chi something, whatever. Chian he. Like no qualms, right? So like it's actually interesting because I think at a certain point, once you get strong enough, mm. I think I'd actually rather have the heart inside me and be like, you got to beat me, not like yeah. a way around it. Because actually I'm so confident that you're not going to beat me in a fight anyway, that I'm not even going to give you an extra opportunity to like find my hidden heart somewhere. Yeah. So I think where he is right now, it's very convenient. He's fighting people like Yuri who could just melt him with her goo that we just realized <laughs> is hers. Cause I forgot about That's that. Cool. You just stand there <laughs> aloof and just melt someone with goo. I don't even feel, I feel like she doesn't even know she's doing it half the time time just happens uh, and you know he's going up against these opponents and potentially like jihad or a 10 great family head leader so he's gonna you know he's gonna use that ability that hard ability to like really disadvantage here but so i just find it interesting like it, it goes in tandem both ways so um but i think the way it'll come into play in the future is that someone's gonna try and kill it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It like isaiah obvious. said like now that a couple people know it's there exactly what i was saying, was saying actually i'm not even gonna beat that that horse to death more than it already has been so um, thank you for the question, though. So, question number three comes from Fluffy uh, Mani- Mannequin, Mannequin, 33. Thank you for the question. Fluffy asks, the initial reason why Bomb befriended Boro was because Haoryun wanted Bomb to find allies who he wouldn't mind sacrificing. Do you still think that Bomb will ever, or do you think that Bomb will ever be fine with sacrificing anyone, or will he continue to stick to his desire to save everyone? Well, I'm going to go, at least for now, with the latter, that that is kind of Bomb's character, where if Bomb kind of stops giving a damn about that, then, like, we don't have Bomb anymore. It kind of, like, we went over to the Jihad thing now. Um, 
I think that it's just due to the things that he said, the way he phrases it and how, and his actions, he's the protagonist. So it would be kind of weird for him all of a sudden to just turn coat and be like, you know, Arian, I think you're right. Like this is kind of getting on my nerves and these people are just honestly weak and I'm tired of it. And he just dips and it's like, Whoa, where'd our protagonist go? You know, like that's just weird for the story. Um, which is ironic because sometimes you get frustrated with him and it's like, why can't you just be realistic? But then if he did do that, you'd be like, Well, this is weird. You know, you so want, you want him to be that way because like you almost sometimes will give up on it. And it's yeah. like it's inspiring to see him stick to that gun, even if it like logistically doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's like almost every anime protagonist, you know? So I don't think he's going to turn coat. I think if he does turn coat, the day he turns coat is the day that he's going. He The theory is realized that actually Bomb was not supposed to be the protagonist type thing. And it's like he was supposed to enact like some sort of vengeance or some like sleeper cell thing happens. Or he goes into like, I'm a god. I'm going to do whatever. Kind of like falling into the jihad trap. Um, that's the day that I think he says I'm not going to try and save everyone. Or though, to be fair, I just thought of this as I was explaining it. Could play devil's advocate to my own argument here and say that he doesn't necessarily have to turn into this analytical, logistical, pragmatic being in order to still turn evil, but still want to save everyone, if that makes sense, right? Because you could also argue that Jihad being, what is it called, like a noble villain or something like that, like the one that's sympathetic righteous. villain, righteous villain, that to be fair... You know, he thinks, he may think, I don't know in his case, maybe that's a bad example, but Bomb, if he got there, might think that, okay, like, I really do need to still save everyone. How am I going to do it? I know I can't do that. I just need to be a god and, like, subjugate everyone or try and control fate or whatever. So, to be fair, he could still be bad and try and save everyone, which yeah. is a, a weird pill to swallow. That, um, yeah. But, yeah, but my point is, is that I think if, you know, if it's anything else, I think that Bomb really only like flips from that if he's turning into like you know the bad guy or you know just not being bomb anymore so yeah uh i pretty much agree i mean we had a question in the first discussion that was basically talking about how are you and coon as like the role they play in bam's party as strategist and like what part of it was like oh what do you think bam would be like if coon was never in his party um, and this question, you know, I feel like you could sort of like click them together. Cause it's like, if Bam, if Bam didn't have somebody like Kuhn and didn't have people, and I would even go so far as to say people like Rack and Dorsey, like people that he cares about and genuinely wants to protect, he might be in a scenario where he's a little bit more inclined to agree with how Reunion's tactics where it's like, yeah, whatever, like, let's just get, you know, you know, get this thing done. I still personally don't believe that. Cause I do think it's like, it's just so like hardcore part of Bam's central character to like not throw somebody else's life away, even if, like, it makes so much logistical sense to do so. Um, because and, it, and it's funny because the, 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 you know, the way this question is worded here and, like, even Haroon's advice or, or plan where it's like, oh, Bam, go find allies that you're willing to discard. And it's like, well, Haroon, if Bam finds allies, like, he's, like, that's the, the catch, he's not going to discard them because they're his allies now. Like, Bam wouldn't discard an ally, period. Um, and, you know, again, I brought this up in that last question of the first discussion because this plan, you know, this this way of thinking, I should say, doesn't work with a character like Bam because that that idea, that ideology is so central to his character that it's like Haruyun could have a 100% success rate with her plan. But if it involves sacrificing one ally, Bam's like, oh, I'm not doing that. Like, we're not, you know, nobody gets left behind. So it's like... I could see 
the only thing I could see is that like if Bam, and this is my personal side theory here, is that we have seen an instance, and it's it's not a hundred percent like proof that this could happen or even that it has. Where Bam, when once we met him at the beginning of season two, he was very sort of like disconnected from everything that was going on, and he was kind of like literally just living in a shell of a bot. Like he was just doing what Fug was telling him to do. He's going through these motions. Um, now he wasn't going so far as to like hurt his former friends, but I guess what I'm saying is I could see a moment in the story where like Bam's resolve is put through so much stress that it might crack a little bit, and he might consider the idea, but. We have people like my best boy Wang Nan coming in to like sort of like glue that back together and be mm-hmm. like, no, don't even. I know this is rough. I know you're going through a lot, but like, you know who you are. Stick to your guns. Like you saving people. Like that's what makes you you. And we need somebody like that. And I, this because it's been sort of tossed up. Also, this idea that Bam is like at, like the monster or the villain of the story here, or, or like that that's the role he's supposed to play. Again, could get to him at some point. And it's like, well, fuck it. If I have all this power, like. I should just go do this, you know? And it's like, I like, but I do love this idea of if that's true, again, Bam finding his own personality and individuality through fighting against that, right? I love this. If this story is going the way I think it is, I love this idea of like fighting against fate and like fate and destiny being like, this has to happen. And these characters being the only thing in between that happening and them being like, no, that's not what I want though. And so like Bam, in spite of who he's supposed to be being like, no, 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 but I don't, give away, like, I don't toss aside my allies. Like, if this person is my friend, I, w- I would rather give my own life before theirs. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't think personally Bam will ever get to a place where he's, like, comfortable with that mindset. Like I said, I think he could be, like, tested. I think he, he could be, like, really pushed to the edge. But ultimately, I don't think he'll ever, um, you know, he'll make that sacrifice play. No, that, that's well said. And I actually, you know what's funny? I'm thinking about it now. Now, I don't want to go, like, too far into it, but... That kind of is interesting in light of the events that happened in the name hunt station. I know we were just, you know, we were just talking about the name hunt station before. And it's funny how bomb in that scenario, you know, bomb is usually the point the the, the irony with bomb or like the, the almost comical thing is that bomb is always jumping in head first to something, um, you know, regardless of what the possibility or the percentage is, right. That it's going to be like, damn the numbers I'm going in anyway. And also makes the, you know, distinction where it's like, okay, if anyone has to be sacrificed, it's me right over anything else. But I do find it kind of interesting in the name hunt station that when we have this, um, issue with, uh, in Dorsey trying to be saved, right. And she tries to, uh, to ask bomb, um, she leads off of the seduction part, so it seems like she's bribing. It's like, and Dorsey, you could have just asked. You know, like, whatever. But um, she's got assets. She's going to try and use them. So, but Bomb, you know, Bomb is like, but Bomb actually foregoes that in lieu of trying to find out more answers about himself and chase Rachel a little bit more. So I do actually, which is interesting for his character because that's one of the only times that I could think of where he actively is like, no, I know, like, I'm not going to try and come to your aid even about, and to be fair, he doesn't have to, you know what I mean? There is ridiculousness in that, but that's kind of ironic with bomb because usually ridiculousness doesn't even play a factor. So I, I do think that one's a little bit of a twist, though, because Bomb does not necessarily take the stance of Endorsey sucks to be you. You're on your own. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to give myself up to you so that only you benefit. I'm going to find a way to help you. And like he kind of takes the stance of like, oh, I'm like, again, I'm going to save everybody. I'm not here just to save you. I'm not here just to save me. Like, I want 
I'm going to get your name back and I'm going to get Kaiser. Like, I'm going to do, you know, it's a bomb thing. I'm going to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, I guess. You know, like I, which I get, I get even makes it more ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in well, sense, that's, but yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Bomb's character is, again, like we said, ridiculous in the sense yeah. that, like, he's predictable. You you know the side he's going to choose. It's the one that involves nobody dying. Sure, Bomb doesn't sure. like that, but it's like, yeah, even if all the numbers or the, the reasoning or whatever, if, even if everything and everyone tells him don't do it or, like, it doesn't make sense to do it, it's like, you said, Bomb's like, well, fuck the numbers, dude. I'm not here for, you know, I'm not here for statistics. I'm here to save people. I, these yeah. are my friends and I, I, you know, all that stuff. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, I Wait, Do you, you have the next question? I think I do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question, number four, comes from Aniketh K. Aniketh, Aniketh K. Uh, their question is, last week we saw Miss Chenny ask Jin Sung if his rage faded, but we got no answer. Now, knowing that the rage is the overall motivator for Fug, what do you think he actually feels? Is he hiding something he realized about Fug, or did his rage just not stand the test of time? Um, so I really like this because there's something about, like, you know, we, we see it with, you know, like this question says, a lot of the members of Fug, because it is one of their main motivations for doing what they do. But even, like, in Yvonne Kell, and I don't think it's the same exact scenario, but I love this idea of these characters who it's like, I, you know, it's funny that we just got off a question about Bomb, who who always takes this, uh, who's taking this stance against Jihad and the Tower and his empire out of, like, the righteous, it's the better thing to do stance, where it's like, no, you're hurting innocent people, and that's why I'm opposing you, because you don't have, like, because you're not a god. You don't have the right to subjugate and, you know, uh, you know, oppress these people um, just because, like, you physically can. Whereas, like, it's interesting to me these characters who align with Bam's viewpoint, but it's like, but it's not, but it's almost like inherently a little bit more selfish than like Bomb's stance, where it's not like, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. It's like, I am doing this because I'm so fed up with like you getting your way and you, like with you just pressing your thumb down on top of this entire society and, and this tower. And I'm so upset of the level of injustice that you are being allowed to like commit and that nobody says, you know, that we all just either pretend it's normal or accept it or get beaten into submission by it. And it's like these characters who their motivation for opposing Jihad is anger, which I, I don't know. I really like that because I think inherently people either hear the word anger or, you know, anger as an emotion is always going to intrinsic intrinsically be tied to like, bad or villainous actions or like you know what i mean like that's the motivator for like oh you, you know think about like fucking like star wars right it's like oh the dark side anger leads to hate and jealousy and all that nonsense um <laughs> but like you know it, I, I i love that i love i love this mix right i love these characters who can like who who are doing ultimately at the end of the day like the good thing or siding with you know the good guys um but they're like, no, I'm not here to, like, be your white knight. Like, I'm just pissed that you think you can do whatever you want with people. And that's, like, that's not it. And also, I think a lot of it is, like, there's a personal, like, you know, blow to it. Like, I'm sure a lot of these people in Fug have lost something personal. or You know what I mean? It's like, no, you didn't just fuck with other people. You fucked with my life or you fucked with people I love. And, like, that's, you know. So, I don't know. Just a little bit of a side tangent. I, I, I love this motivation for characters. I do think... I don't know if I would say Jin Sung's rage has faded. I think it like weirdly like it was like subdued. You know, I think I think up until he met Bam, he was probably, you know, in the mindset of like, you know, 
really cultivating that rage and just kind of, you know, letting that fester and, and, and bubble up inside of him. I think through meeting Bam, and, you know, again, even like with his talks with Han Sung, where he's like, dude, I don't think this kid's cut out. Like, he's not going to be who you think he is. Han Sung's like, don't worry, just give him time. Like, you'll see. I think through meeting somebody who's as strong as Bam and seeing somebody who has as much potential as Bam, but like Bam not having like a single vengeful bone in his body, you know, or or, or spiteful bone, let's just say, in his body, w- was literally shown that like having that power, and, and you would equate it to the power Jin Sung has, does not inherently or intrinsically mean you have to let your anger fuel that power. Like there is another way and there might just be a better alternative to going about this mission. If Bam can do it, if the, like, I, I, I love something I love about Tower of God is that like, A, just the level of complexity it, it can get into with this like, you know, psychological and like these, these deep, you know, meaningful type questions that it asked, but that it always introduces this idea of like the majority of the people going along with like one way of living or thinking because that's what everybody's done. But the reason that Bam interests me as a character, because it's like just because just the fact that someone like Bam exists, like in my mind, it means that like you can't toss out the the idea or the possibility that there's another way to do it. Right. It's that idea of like, well, if there's even a 1% chance, we have to consider it. Right. And it's like, sure enough, if you want to be a numbers guy, you're like 1%. That's basically nothing. But it's not nothing, you know what I mean? And, and I think, like, I just think there's something so inherently interesting about this idea of, like, Bam being that 1%, but slowly but surely showing everybody that it's like, no, you don't have to do this, like, this this mission, this thing, this way, this one way. There's always more than one way to tackle a problem or find a solution. And so, and that plus the, one of my favorite scenes, actually, the conversation that Wang Nan has with Jin Sung way back in season two. When he actually, you know, when he refers, he's like, hey, you, uh, by the way, you probably shouldn't be smoking so much. Like, it's bad for you. And, and A, obviously the metaphor. I do think that, like, from that moment up until now, Jin Sung's rage ha- has, like, subsided a little bit. It's, like, it's sort of taken a backseat, if you will, to the to his, as far as a main motivator for why he does things. Because now protecting Bomb and, his, and, you know, by extension, his friends does seem to be a really big priority for Jin Sung. He seems almost unbothered and really not interested in why Miss Chenny is there or why they're invading his home or the fact that they blow up his home um, until they mention that they're going after the regulars on the train, right? That's when he's like, what? Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to get involved now. Um, however, I do think it's ironic, though, because I think them going after Bomb the way they have and plus bringing the players that they're going to bring into this fight, i.e. people like Calavan, I think it's going to reignite that that rage that he's had. And even, honestly, just Macheni bringing that up. Like, I think ultimately, you know, and again, metaphorically, like we see him burn and toss the lollipop aside and start, you know, light up, lights a cigarette. It's that, that rage is going to be reignited because I think ultimately, even though he wants, he wants Bomb to continue going about the mission that he wants to go about the way the bomb wants to go about it. But I think that's, I don't think Jin Sung is that tied down to it. I think ultimately, again, especially, I, I don't know why I see this thing with like him and Caliban where it's like, he's going to have to go guns, like go in guns blazing and go in like, to, like fight to kill. And I think for Jin Sung, that's like, I got to tap into this rage. Like that's, that's what I'm about. That's how I've lived. That's how, that's how I know how to, how to fight. And that's, that's where I am. That's where I've been. And it's like, you know, I, I think, um, yeah. So I think it subsided for a little bit. I do think it's going to sort of going to be reignited now, um, but I'm curious to see if it does, if he keeps with it, if it, you know, if he maybe uses it, like, you know, if he controls it, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's that's my thing. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I mirror 
basically every point <laughs> there. So um, I'd just be repeating the same things again. So I'm going to move on to the next question. But thank you for the question, Anaketh. I don't know if you've been on here before. So I think this is a yeah, first time a name. It's a new name. Thank you for uh, asking the question. Yes, we yes. appreciate it. So the next one is actually by someone whose name I don't recognize either. So this, I think, is the first time. So thank you. And it is by, and I apologize in advance, uh, Liller, Liller Times. Maybe that's right. Liller Times, 121. Uh, Liller Times asks, knowing that Bomb still hasn't been told about the deaths in Team Sweet and Sour, do you think Bomb now knows from hearing this from me saying that some people have died? And how uh, will that affect him going forward? I don't think he has heard of it. But it's kind of ironic because you'd figure me saying would have said something by this point. But are they? did they just... Like, how long have they been running th with this? Well, so me saying hasn't been with Bam. This is the first time me has been riding with Bam since that event. Yeah, okay. And Bam hasn't been explicitly told by anybody that um, Prince and Artcraptor are dead. But I guess if what the question is hinting at is if Bam picked up on that through me saying's line of, like, I'm not going to let anybody um, else on my team die because of me... I do think it's a little bit of a stretch because personally um because I, I just I feel like I don't know that's like weirdly a lot to infer from that one line you know and I and to be honest I feel like Bam would not take it sitting down so like if if he even thought that's what she was saying he'd be like wait a minute what like he would yeah. stop her and, and, and want to talk about it um but yeah I also I didn't mean to cut you off no no you're good that was a good point and I I actually don't yeah, I don't know how this is like. I don't know when they're going to tell him. Because <laughs> they're going to have to tell him eventually, right? Yeah, we're going to find out. Well, you know what's interesting, though? It's like the more time that passes before they tell him, I feel like, not that for Bomb the sting will be any less, but for, like, the audience, I feel like the sting oh. will be, like, a little less where it's like, okay, if they wait until, like, the end and then we do a time skip in season three and it was, like, it's implied that he knew and stuff, and it's like, oh, all right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Bomb will take it, but it's like, what is he going to do at this point? You know what I mean? Like, especially the longer you tell him, because that, like, if that rage is there and it's fresh and that, that wound is there and it's fresh, you know, like maybe these uh, interactions with Rachel and all that kind of stuff might have been a little more violent or whatever the case. But I feel like if you wait too long, and granted, I mean, they didn't have a, a chance to sit down and have tea over it. You know, like things have been happening. So, like, I, it's not like, yo, when's somebody going to call Bomb on a cell phone and tell him what the hell just happened? So I get it, but I, I just feel like. I don't know. I feel like the impact, the longer that we wait, the impact of it in regards to how Bomb perceives it, the impact and the reaction to, oh, my God, Bomb's so mad. Like, that's going to kind of subside. So maybe that was more of a moment for Wang Nan, really, and me saying themselves. And, like, even though Bomb's going to be sad and torn up about it, that it's, like, it's not all about Bomb in that case. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he's going to be mad about it or he's going to be upset and sad, but – you know, going forward, like the real, real sting came from Wang Nan's reaction, Mi Sing's reaction, how they're going to grow from it rather than bomb. So not really trying to dodge the question. I just feel like it's it's a kind of a little bit of a tough one to answer. I don't know if you have another opinion. Um, yeah, I because I, my other thing is, like you said, it makes sense where it's like the longer, more time that goes by, it, it, you know, not that is the death going to mean anything less, but is the impact not going to matter as much? Because it's like, Sure, you could argue that, like, oh, it doesn't matter for us as viewers when Bomb finds out that timeline sort of starts up again. So, like, he finds out it's fresh for Bomb until it isn't. And then it's like, oh, maybe he's even more pissed at Rachel, um, you know, because I'm sure him learning about that will also tie in with the fact that she was involved in her deaths. 
but I do echo this this idea, dude, that it's like, dog, if if he if at the time because at the time when when Bomb confronted Rachel about Coon, the whole Coon incident, the implication was that Coon was dead. He didn't find out that Coon was not dead and that there was a chance for him to come back until after that in, that incident happened. So when he confronted her, even with all that rage and stuff, like the implication was that she had killed Coon and he was not coming back. And I just don't think that if like that was all we got out of him out of seemingly his best friend being dead, that like him learning about uh, Prince and Arc Raptor's death is going to like do anything more than that. Yeah, Where yeah. it's like he might again, he might get even more pissed at Rachel, but he's not going to kill her. He's not even, he's not going to like severely hurt her. He's not going to like, he's, it's like, so it's like, you know, it's tough because I'm like, you tell him now, you tell him a year from now, like, <laughs> you know, it sounds like, but it's like, what's he, what is he going to do with it? He, he's going to get upset. And then, but like you said, it, and I don't want to like rob Bam of that or take that away from them, but I do almost kind of feel like it is more of a manner for people like Wang Nan and Nising who were like, you know, a, who were there when it happened and B who like, like, I don't know. I, cause again, I don't know. It would be different if like, you know, to, to word it in a way, if like it made a difference in the story or it may, if it made a difference to how bomb would treat certain characters, i.e. people like Rachel who were there and responsible, but, like, I know it's not, it can't, it wouldn't make sense. If Bomb, like, didn't, if he just, like, yelled at Rachel and kind of blew the ground up around her when Coon was dead, but, like, blew a cap off and, like, almost ripped Rachel's head off, when it, it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, why? <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and we know, already know, like, we basically this whole, uh, this whole video has been us talking about how steadfast Bomb refuses to break away from the, I will give up somebody's life or I will needlessly take a life. So it's like, uh, he's not, I don't think he's going to like go after, be gunning after Rachel to kill her or, or like, it's like he, like he said that to her. He was like, oh, if you come near my friends again, I may have to kill you. But it's like, dude, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, I don't believe you. <laughs> you, I, I, I honestly don't believe that like bomb could take the, the lethal blow to Rachel unless it was like him or her. And even then, like, I don't know. I just don't know. I he, I don't have enough faith in Bomb's character growth in terms of their relationship. Like, you know, she's, which I don't get, because I'm like, dude, she's already, like, signed go. off so many things. No, well, I'm just fucking with you. It's just my, my point stands that it's like, for a normal person, I feel like she would have been written off this list yeah. years ago. But it's like, for Bomb, because of, you know, she's his mom figure or whatever the fuck, he, like, can't do it. And I'm like, okay, that's, that is what it is. But if that's the case, then it's like, in a way, these de the deaths of these characters, like, it doesn't do anything for, for the story here or for your guys' characters. Nothing's going to happen. It can't, it doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't know when he'll find out. I don't know if it's going to be a thing of, like, he's explicitly told, like, somebody sits him down and, like, they bit it. Um, or if it's going to be, like, implied. Maybe he learns it from Rachel, like, weirdly or something. Like, I don't know. But I guess what I'm getting at here is that like whether he finds out or not like I really don't think it's gonna change much at all yeah that's fair well folks those are our questions for today thank you to all the people that pose them in our discord again if you want to have your question heard and talked about and answered <laughs> join our community discord if you have not already the link is in the description down below one hour after our live streams, which we have at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays, you can head on over to that Discord. You can ask a question in the TOG Questions channel, 
and it might just end up there, but you gotta be part of that Discord. So make sure you guys are also subscribing to the channel if you are new here, smashing that like button if you're new or old, and uh, commenting your thoughts down below. What did you think of these questions? Uh, how would you have answered them? Was there anything that stuck out to you during this conversation, etc.? Let us know all of those thoughts down below. Big shout out to our patrons as well, especially our acolytes of anime, Stoic and Nathan. Love your beautiful faces. And we have our comment of the day. Isaiah, if you'd like to read it for us, and then we will pose a question. Absolutely. So comment of the day comes from Nomad Vaughn. Uh, the boys are regular also. Uh, the question was, uh, what instrument does Caliban play? Answers the piano. He says, at one point, Bam said he felt like he might disappear after he completes his purpose. What if by the end, Bam is supposed to die, but instead survives and continues up the tower to live and travel as himself with his friends, Kuhn, Rack, and Dorsey, etc., while Wang Nan and his people stay behind and watch over the people of the tower? Um, I, I, that, I actually think that's pretty cool. I like this idea. Um, I'm assuming by Wang Nan and his people, he means like sweet and sour and, you know, all the other players that we've had. Um, I, yeah, I, I do like this. I, I think even if we, no matter what theory you believe or tie into as far as Wang Nan and Jihad, whether he's a direct clone of Jihad or whether he's his son, um, I like this idea of like Jihad became so corrupted, you know, again, from so many things that we've previously stated, but like Wang Nan... Because that's going to be the thing, and that's something I brought up from the, literally from season one, is that, like, dethroning, like, cutting Jihad's head off is not what ends this, right? There is, he's literally built a whole society, uh, you know, around this empire. We're going to have to get Jihad out of there. He's, like, the, you know, he's the core of this sort of, like, rotting virus, right? we got to take Jihad out of there, but then we have to go in and do this thing better. We This society in this tower, I don't think fundamentally doesn't work. I think Jihad's method fundamentally doesn't work. If we can get in here and if Wang Nan, you know, I'm just assuming based off the way this, this question's word, I kind of feel like it would make the most sense if he sort of took that reign. Um, they're going to have to be, be and I, I don't think there's honestly a better person other than Wang Nan because if nothing else, he's proven that he is, like Bomb in a weird way, hilariously consistent in sticking to his, like, principles and ideas of, like, everybody deserves a fair chance. Um I think, you know, they're going to have to run this thing better, and I, I do think they could, and I like this idea of, like, them sort of being like, don't worry, man, we got the tower. Like, you guys go do whatever you want or whatever it is you got to do. Maybe, you know, we have learned that there's, that the 134th floor isn't the actual last floor, so maybe Wang Nan and everybody else holds the fort down while Bam and company goes up to whatever the hell is, is waiting for them at the uh, at the actual top of the tower. I don't know, but I like this idea. Mm. Nice. Uh, I think even relating to this question or this this comment, rather, uh, that's where I'm going to get inspiration for my question. And my question posed to you is what two components make up the key that will unlock the 135th floor? Let us know your answer in the comments down below and then comment whatever you get in a comment. And we might just read it on our next TOG discussion. But until next time, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you all on the flip. Peace. Peace. Ninjas are samurais, blaze of the cool eyes. Find me in the leaf of the cloud, screaming out Bankai. We just some ghouls though, who like seeing parts fly. They like what you saying? Goma got more through the storylines. I tested your neck from the start. My hunters gon' come for your heart. I promise you'll land in my boulevard. Left them in one piece. No.